Hello, I'm Scott Soshnick. I'm Eben Novi Williams. And I'm Michael Barr, and this is the Bloomberg Business of Sports Podcast, where... We! We! <laughs> no oh, Eben again. Man. No Eben again. <laughs> At some point, you're just going to stop mentioning that I didn't chime in. Yeah. No, oh, but no, there has to be consequences. Colin Tipton, consequences. That's all I'm asking. I think it's something. Thank okay. you. Thank you. Uh, we explore the big money issues in the world of sports. Let's start because, you know, CES is going on right now. In case you don't know, that's the Consumer Electronics Show out in Las Vegas. I had to go to one of those, by the way. Really? I want to do everything I can not to Yeah, I don't think you want to go to one of those. Yeah, I oh, one of those. Man, I'd love to go <laughs> 500,000 square feet of uh, everybody showing me their panel and their demo and their... Next year, we'll have Bar file some, some five-minute yeah. audio clips <laughs> reporting from the scene at CES. <laughs> Wait, could you see Barr? I where's where's the Venetian? Guys, I'm lost. Yeah, where's the Venetian? I've been indoors for eight days. What time is it? <laughs> but but I hit an inside straight. Yeah, exactly. By the way, I learned how to play mahjong. <laughs> Uh, Alibaba and Intel jointly announced plans to develop the first ever AI-powered 3D athlete tracking technology for the Tokyo 2020 Olympic Games and beyond. Now, this is cool. Well, not just this. I mean, we're talking about this because it's sort of it's symbolic of the entire industry. You can't talk sports without talking tech. And the fact that Alibaba's involved... And Intel, which, by the way, has an investment fund. And we have our friend Sean Bryan over there at Intel. It, it, it really is a marriage of sports and tech and where this is going to go in terms of what I say all the time. How do you scale? First of all, how does it help athletes? But we're going to have Brian Rolap on the show later this week. How can you better scale your products for the global audience in that flat world? That's what the technology in sports is about. Yeah, and just to, to geek out on the on the tech for for a second, the 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 movement in in this industry is going so fast in terms of athlete tracking. Uh, what what they announced uh, this week at CES is through cameras and through computer vision, an ability to do something that we don't. It doesn't exist quite yet. It's actually it's it's cool. It's I mean it, a lot of the things that we athletes wear sensors for now. You know the sleeve that pitchers wear to measure their elbow angle, etc. The the sleeves that runners wear on their you know for their for their neck to figure their head position or their knees. All of that is something that Alibaba, Intel, and this company I believe called Wrench. It's W R N C H. Um, all of that is something that they're saying that they can do via camera. And there's also some very interesting applications here, right? That when you talk about the way that leagues and unions interact on player data, a lot of the lines that players draw is something that goes on my body is mine, right? That is something that I need to be involved in. If you can get all of that data, all the biometric data from a camera that's sitting up in the rafters or in the stadium, that's going to change the whole ownership prospect of the whole thing. There's a lot of really interesting applications of this outside of the fact that this is just really cool technology if they can get it done. I want to know if our microphones are sensitive enough, if we can keep in the show that little snort swallow you had <laughs> while you... <laughs> Wow. Why did you just wow. go there? <laughs> because if our <laughs> listeners hear it, I like to address it. That's, that, that's why. But oh, interesting story in the, in the Times, by the way, earlier this week, Eben, about the, the Mavericks testing the blood of players. Yeah. And, and again, it goes to the privacy. Who does it belong to? Can it hurt you in contract negotiations? But and, and Mark leagues, Cuban has said the only people that he gives longer contracts to than his players are his doctors. Mm -hmm. and, and leagues are, you know, they're all different in their approaches, essentially depending on when your CBA was signed yeah. is how progressive your league has been because the, the technology is moving so fast. So the, the NBA, whose CBA I believe was 2016, you know, they have written in there explicitly, NBA players are allowed to opt out of anything your team wants to wear on your body biometric-wise 
There is a $250,000 fine for any team that uses that data in, in the wrong ways, including in contract negotiations. Right. You know, So they, they are probably the most progressive of the leagues in outlining that. Then you look at the NFL. CBA signed in 2010, 2011, something like that. You're not allowed um, to wear warming socks. <laughs> there's, there's nothing really in there about, uh, certainly not about wearables and biometrics. Uh, and there is a little bit in there about the tracking, the RFID chips in uh, in shoulder pads, which is something the NFL has been working on for a while. So this is a topic that is obviously going to continue to be a big issue moving forward in sports business. And I'd love to see on the TV screen, again, you know I'm a big thing. I want to see the heartbeat. I want to see speed. I want to see you know collision force. Uh, force equals mass times acceleration. So I want to see the running back and the linebacker. How fast were they running? What do they weigh? And, and what are you doing, Bob? What did I just do? I don't know. You kicked something. Oh, my Lord. Like, he got all excited when we saw mass I, times, I, I, yeah, force times that, acceleration. Yeah, really, that got yeah. me all up in the up. Yeah, but, I mean, this is the kind of stuff. I can see this on the screen. You can see where the engagement, the, 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 the prospects for owners and leagues is exciting. And then you throw on the betting on top of it. Yeah, the gambling is yeah. a critical part uh, of this. because I think game betting. That's the even bigger monetization commercial aspect of this is that, you know, we've seen with these deals, MGM with the NHL is a perfect example, right? They, they Part of their deal with, with the NHL to become the official sports book of the league is access to a new kind of data, exactly kind of what we're talking about with Alibaba here. Uh, it is a tracking data. You know, it, it will show tracking puck and player, fastest skater, hardest shot. Those are things that, one, gamblers would like to, to know when they get a sense of, you know, who's playing well, why they're playing well, how much load is on their body. But most importantly, People might want to gamble on that, right? What's, who's going to have the hardest shot of the third quarter? What's Novi Williams' period? creatine level tonight? How is he going to perform? <laughs> yeah. So, so as athlete data is kind of advancing on these two parallel tracks where, one, the technology is so good that athletes know more about their body, their recovery, and all that than they ever have because the technology is great. Two, there's more options through broadcast and through sports betting to make money off it, you know, and, and and that creates all these tensions between players, between teams, between leagues, between you're gonna need media. You're gonna et need semi-annual like CBA reopeners on tech. You can't do this over an eight-year term. Absolutely, yeah. It's a you're right. It's a if you're signing a ten-year CBA, and most of them at least do this. They they have wiggle room in there for a tech you know panel to to revise. I believe the NBA CBA mentioned specific companies that were the only ones allowed to be used, and I think they've updated that a few times over the past couple of years. Um, but you're right. This is a this is a fluid moving situation, and as tech gets better, as this Alibaba announcement shows, they're going to have to continue to revise the best practices. You know where this is going to be applied to the common man, and and, and you want to make money out of this. It, it really because the whole point of this is to for any athlete to improve their performance. A golfer, you want to improve your golf game, you want to improve your bowling game, you want to go get lessons like this, put these cameras on, and there you go. And you pay for this lesson, and you can see where your arm swing is all messed up. And I, I, I want to see that. Where was your totally. arm swing messed up on that last ball in the last frame when you bowled a 299? Where well, do you think you went wrong? Uh, well, I went wrong after I like fell Telling to the us floor the story. and cried. <laughs> the lane hadn't been waxed properly. I had shot a 295 before that. Yeah, uh, two ninety five is not two ninety nine. I know. You, you know, you're not lifelong regret two ninety five. Two ninety nine no. is a lifelong regret. Anywho, yeah. speaking of player data, <laughs> <laughs> which is Evan's story, which brings us to the point: who owns it? Yeah. So the we wrote something earlier this week about a sports innovation lab out of Boston, which is kind of trying to tackle all of these thorny questions, right? Who owns the data? How do you protect? In what ways do you need to protect? 
players as commercialization happens? Um, how do you share in the money that, that comes out of them? Um, this is a group. It's 16 people. There's good representation across. You know, NFL, NFL, PA are both on there. NHL, there's good league and team representation. There's also tech companies. So Whoop, the athletic tracker, uh, Origin, Oreco, the blood testing uh, group that the that the Mavericks use. They're all on the panel as well. Plus some academics. They're going to sit together. They're going to they're going to meet a couple times this year. Their goal is to try to create a rough framework that leagues and teams and players can use when they're debating all these different aspects. Four words: cooks in the yeah, kitchen. Yeah, yeah, and, <laughs> and it's yeah. It, it's it's perfectly indicative of, of how difficult these conversations are going to be, right? Because the guy who's sitting on that panel from the NFL and the person sitting on that panel from the NFL PA. Are going to have differing opinions, right? And and they're probably never going to see eye to eye on the uh, on exactly the right way to balance, you know, data that comes out of shoulder pads or data, biometric data, whatever it is that's coming off of NFL players. How do you balance monetizing? Well, that? Don't forget, they're all going back to their attorneys as well. Their in-house counsels saying, "How can this be used against us?" Let's say I don't know if should there ever be a problem with head trauma in sports, mm-hmm. if that should ever, you know, happen. Now you know how fast the collisions were. Sure. You, you could measure, who knows, whatever biochemistry telling you that maybe something wasn't right. You know the lawyers have to have a t- a The NFL right now, through the RFID chips, they, they get player location 12 times a second. Yeah. Right? That's the, the main data source that they get. Obviously, that tells you speed. That shows you t- yeah, change yeah, of direction. You know they get impact. They're just not sharing the information. You get with the us. impact number yes. just by you know calculating, calculating it out. Right. Yeah, right. <laughs> Let's see what I don't understand. And this is all encompassing what we were talking about earlier. Is that listen? It, it what's different? Because players do not want this information going out, so it could be used against them. Or well, what's different than holding a stopwatch on an athlete, and you see that the athlete is maybe two tenths or three tenths slower than what he used to be. Well, you're just drilling down into things you could not even imagine before that you can now measure things that you wouldn't have known. I mean, we're talking blood testing and measuring all sorts of things that can say you can run faster, longer. We'd rather have you as a player because you're less likely to get injured because of X or Y. I mean, stopwatch is just another sense of what's different. This this the 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 stuff being taken off of let's take a Ezekiel Elliott who's who's playing in the playoffs this weekend, um, the stuff being taken the data being taken off the chip and his shoulder pads goes to his team, right? That does not go to him. I don't I'm not even sure if he would be allowed to wear a device for himself, you know. So so all the data that comes off of him is being able to be used by the Cowboys certainly to help him and to help the team. But let's say come contract negotiation time, they've got a wealth of data that they can cherry pick. The trend on, line on goes down, the slope is going 12 down. 12 times a second of every time he carried the ball this year. And if his agent is only allowed to use a stopwatch and, and go through game tape, uh, you're talking about a, two very different planes of discussion. Let's move on now to uh, how in the world did the 49ers, first of all, lose $10 million hosting the college football title game? But you know the old saying they'll make it up on the back end. Yeah, well they have to foot the bill for the entire game. That was that was their deal. So they have to foot the bill for staging this event. Of course they do get the right to sell some sponsorships and and those sorts of things. So if you just look at it as a standalone one-off event, they come off as losing money. I think it was 25 million, 25 million all in all, cost right. and yeah. 10 million they they thought they'd get back. Exactly. So they do benefit however by staging these 
large-scale, high-profile events at their stadium. They will bring more customers in next time. They will bring other events where they have a better deal in which they can monetize. So as a one-off, but why you know you can't just look at these things as a one-off. You're looking at is why do we host them? This is great promotion for the stadium, bringing more people, bringing more events down the road, enabling them to better monetize. Yeah, it's Levi Stadium, right? Levi paid a lot of money to put its name on that stadium. And when you do those negotiations, I'm sure the stadium authority was saying, "Listen, we've got the biggest college football game of the year coming in uh, in, in 2019." You know, that's part of the conversation. So, so when you calculate these dollars. Obviously, the, the money Levi's paying, you can't portion out exactly what goes to the fact that they're having the biggest, but a part of the most watched cable event of the year. But part of the reason they did is because it's there. So there's a lot of, certainly from a sponsorship, certainly from a future event, certainly from just a name recognition, there's so much ancillary benefit to doing it that they're believing it works out. And yeah. I'm actually curious. I don't know. It may be true that every stadium just on the hosting of an event like this ends up in the red. I don't know what the actual thing is. Yeah, but one quick thing about it. Didn't the ratings go down this year for the national title game? They went down a bit, but, I mean, if you watch the game, it was a, it was a blowout pretty pretty obviously. Um, and also there's some fatigue about the two teams. Clemson and Alabama have played four times in the last four playoffs. Um but this is still, from a cable standpoint, this is a giant on the cable schedule every year. It's the most watched cable show every year. I believe this year, even though ratings went down, I believe that will be no different. Clemson quarterback Trevor Lawrence, by the way, he's got locks like you. <laughs> he's got great nice, flow. Nice a lot of conditioner. A lot of conditioner. He blows me out of the water. And <laughs> yeah, but he doesn't man button. He lets it rip. <laughs> that uh, one play where he took his helmet off and flipped in the same motion. <laughs> No, no. no. Oh, I mean, yeah. Too bad we're not simulcast. Evans got his man bun again. <laughs> I like the man. He's Patrick Thank Rafter Thank once you. again. It works for Patrick Rafter. Works for me too. Okay. See, if you have to say it about yourself, how many compliments <laughs> a day do you get on the man bun? Um, no. somewhere between zero and zero. There, there's a right in between there. We don't need any. We don't need any uh, any compliment tracking device for this. It's it's just zero. But you know what's cool, by the way. What. I mean, I mean, I know we got to talk. Well, let's do let's do Clemson's quarterback first, and then we're going to get something cool. No, I mean, well, I just think he is in line to make a lot of money when he's all set. Yeah, the only problem is he's prime right he now. Get hurt first. Yeah, like, <laughs> like you could, you know, you know what makes most sense for him. And Evan and I talked about this off air. If he said, "I'm done with college football," now you go go work with your coach, your one on one coaching specialist. You and I thought, how great would it be if he could have an internship with an NFL team? where he, for two years, would sit in on meetings, would learn the game, would watch and learn. And, the, and all the NFL folks say that's great for quarterbacks, actually watch and learn. Right. But he'd be doing it on college time. He wouldn't be taking hits in college. Right. That would be the best scenario for him, for a team to take him in and say, Come to, you can practice with us, sure, you'll be an intern. You're going to be a football intern. Then when he's eligible for the draft... Light years ahead of where he would have been. For those out there who are a little confused as to why a, a guy who looks like he might be NFL ready and, and scouts are saying would be the consensus number one pick if he were in the NFL draft right now is not allowed to do that. NFL rules state that you have to be three years removed from your high school graduating class to enter the NFL draft. He is a true freshman, which means he has at least two more years to go before he's eligible to enter the NFL. Agreed to, by the way, by the union. Negotiated in the CBA For by sure. the union. And so... And something that likely is not not going to be changed. No, there's, least, there's a reason it's in there. But I would tell you, at least you know the NBA went to the one year rule, the one and done. They had one year removed from high school. The NFL. Part of the reasoning for the NFL 
is just a maturity thing, a body maturity thing. They did not think that 18, 19-year-old kids, even though these are large guys, are ready to compete against NFL-sized men. And every cup, unlike the NBA, where it seems like every year there were people, high schoolers who were eligible and were were you know contributing in their in their rookie years in the NBA. In the NFL, I'd say once every two or three years, Jadavian Clowney felt like the last one, yeah. the last guy who was a, a high schooler who scouts said this guy would be playing, would be a high draft pick right now if he was eligible. All right, I'm going to give a special number of the week. Oh, yeah, we, we don't normally do the number All of right. the week: two hundred and fifty million. 250 million. 250 million. Your bank account. I wish. Oh. Evan, you should know this. I should know or this. Or could know this. I should know this. I would say uh, should, that is uh, Dabo Swinney's bonus for no, the, num- <laughs> the number of dollars that Jerry Jones paid for this mm. mega yacht. Yeah. Have you seen oh, the yacht? Oh, yeah. Huh? Yeah. Now, he I, did. I measured these things against like Larry Ellison and Paul Allen. Paul Allen had, and, and we were joking. We saw the picture of the yacht, which he named after his wife. How very right. nice. But I couldn't tell. Like we were like, is there a helipad on there? We didn't. I didn't see the helipad. Has to be a helipad. He, Eben was like, there has to. You be. You don't take a boat. He's to like, a how boat do you get on size. this thing? I'm like, <laughs> you, you go to the port. He's like, there's no way. You don't go to the port. This thing is a helipad. Remember, Paul Allen's yacht had the submarine right. and the helipad. Like this, he needs a football field on there, right? I want to be yeah. kicking field goals through the H and into the ocean. Just ba boom. Boom! Or if you're the Chicago Bears, off the thing and stays on the boat. Oh, oh. sorry, everybody. The doink. <laughs> <laughs> clink, clink, clank, clank, clunk. clunk. By the way, the NFL. You know what? Really, Cody Parkey, bless his heart. The NFL kind of bailed him out because they said somebody in Philly got a hand on that play, and that's why it clinked off the upright, then the crossbar, and then hit the ground. Did that bail him out? No, I mean, if, gotta it, make if it happened, it happened. Gotta the, make the, kick. the kick got you gotta, plugged. You got to make the kick. You got to get it over the head. But no, but I mean, it, it, at least it, someone, Jerry Jones they is scored listening. it as a block. That's it. But if Jerry Jones is listening, I would like the full-on tour of that yacht. Scott wants to see the helipad. I want to see the helipad. I want to, I just, imagine the amenities. Like, also, I know a guy who had a boat done in Tampa and what the grain of wood you pick for everything. I mean, it was a long process and this was like a 32-foot gritty I imagine the process of this 250 million. Like you are picking out everything for wow. that. Oh, fantastic. Shad Khan no longer has the richest yacht among NFL Shad owners. Will, Shad will be upgrading within six months. <laughs> Mark it down. $300 million yacht. Adding seven feet to his yacht. <laughs> no helipad because there's just a landing strip yep, on it. Yep. Oh, uh, now if you have envy, this is the Bloomberg Business of Sports Podcast. I'm Michael Barr along with Scott Soschnick and Evan W. Williams. We're here each and every Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday exploring the world of money and sports. Join us again at the end of the week when we speak with Brian Rolap, who runs media at the NFL. A lot of big dollars there. This is Bloomberg Business of Sports on Bloomberg Radio around the world and online wherever you get your podcast.